Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 71 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. This is Becky here along with Allie. Hey everyone, excited to be here today. (laughs) And this episode will be coming to you just before Valentine's Day. So today we want to talk to you about aphrodisiac foods to get you in the mood. So this should be a really fun one and beyond oysters that I'm sure we've all heard about being an aphrodisiac, there are actually a ton of other foods that support hormonal balance and other aspects of our sexual health. Yes. So we often ask clients in our initial intake questions about libido, so both sexual function as well as sex drive, and we talk to a lot of clients about infertility and hormone dominance or imbalance. But the first piece of it, libido and actual having sex, can be a huge part of healthy function in the human body. And there are so many benefits, actually, to having sex. Often it's a great prescription for me to give that might seem out of scope from being a functional dietitian, but the benefits of sex are quite wide scope from things like enhancing and increasing your secretory IgA, which is a marker of immunological health and the mucosal lining of your gut membrane so it can prevent leaky gut. Who knew sex could prevent leaky gut? There we go. It, of course, lowers blood pressure and can help with vasodilation. It can help with pain relief. It can help with getting into deeper qualitative sleep and in hand help with stress release. And it does, during times of orgasm, we get that surge of oxytocin, and that really creates that bliss center in the brain. It can help with mood stability, reducing anxiety and depression, and so much more. So buckle up, guys. Today will be a fun, lighter episode on all things sex, I guess, (laughs) And, and ways to keep you aroused and in the mood and hopefully have some fun this Valentine's Day. Yes, and then, you know, thinking about fertility as really um, an indicator of optimal health. I mean, even from an evolutionary or ancestral standpoint, um, you know, that, that really was the indicator of overall health. Yes. So when we're talking about aphrodisiac foods, there are so many different distributions of what an aphrodisiac is. Um, So we can look at things that actually define hormone balance, as well as things that kind of drive love influence in the brain and body. And so an aphrodisiac is a substance essentially that entices romance or love. And the word is derived from Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. And typically an aphrodisiac is a food, beverage, or scent. And these are documented back to the first century. And actually they came about as a time of need when individuals were under such poor chronic nutrition deficiencies that populations were searching for support for reproductive health to, of course, 
enhance population. Um, and so this was a big focus of food as medicine in the first century and on to help with reproductive health and fertility. I think that is just so cool to know a little bit about the history of where these foods came from. Uh, so let's get into why foods would be classified as aphrodisiacs in the first place. Yes. So there's a couple different kind of structural functional relationships as well as traditions, as well as um, science influencing on a biochemical level and a nutritional level. So let's start with shape first. So shape and structure. So uh, when we're looking at this concept, it goes down to nature's doctrines of signature, which literally means like creates like. So this is where in this instance, we'd be looking at, for instance, like a pomegranate being nature's doctrines of signature, and that correlates to ovaries. So they're like these egg-holding sacs with all these uh, kind of nice, fertile, juicy eggs, per se. Um, we're also looking at figs to be tied in that similar mechanism of, of being more of a female anatomy type piece. A banana and asparagus on the other end might be thought of more towards the male um, <laughs> sexual uh, uh, organ of function as far as um, being, what's the word, Becky? I can't think of it. Uh, phallic, phallic. Phallic. It's <laughs> like, come on. I was like, how do I say penis? <laughs> phallic, yes. <laughs> so uh, things that are phallic, like banana or asparagus, would have that nature's doctrine of signature in that sense, that kind of like drives like, or, or that kind of look of it being sexual. So again, fig, and um, this is also where we think of oysters and the female anatomy and something that you kind of suck on and that salty, briny flavor profile. So there's definitely that piece of shape. So shape in itself, in itself can create arousal or stimulate. And then there's myth and tradition. So myth and tradition, what's interesting is honey or miel. Um, honey was actually given to newlyweds and it was given to keep their marriage sweet. And now we call our time after marriage a honeymoon. And that's actually where that, that uh, phrase came about was from tradition and kind of that gifting of keeping things sweet. And then there's the scientific element, which is, of course, always my favorite, uh, being the geeky uh, food as medicine brain. Um, and so we're always looking at, in the scientific element, nutritional properties of particular foods or compounds that can actually create sexual arousal by either aiding in building or converting hormones or excreting excess and helping with balance of hormones, as well as even functional influences of orgasm, like helping with vasodilation. So when we get vasodilation, we get enhanced blood flow, which is good for men's sexual function, as well as women's sexual function, because you get more sensitivity and uh, stimulation in the area where there's increased blood flow. So vasodilation is definitely a good thing. And then even maintenance of healthy, supple skin can help a sexual function as well. So certain foods, whether we're using them topically or um, consumption-wise, definitely can help with sexual performance and enhancement. Awesome. And then there are so many nutrients as well that play into our optimal hormone balance. So let's just touch briefly on this because I know it's a rabbit hole and we could talk for a whole episode just on these. Um, but maybe let's, let's talk about the, what you would consider the top three nutrient deficiencies that can lead to hormonal imbalance, Ellie. 
Sure. So uh, vitamin K is one that's often overlooked for estrogen metabolism and estrogen balance. We think of vitamin K as its relationship of helping with utilization of vitamin D for optimal bone health. And without vitamin K, we can often get um, calcification of soft tissues. So we always want to make sure that our vitamin D is paired with vitamin K. And little plug, we just came out with a new uh, balance blend vitamin D in our supplement line, the Naturally Nourished supplement line. And this is a 10,000 IU uh, dosage of vitamin D paired with K1 and K2. And vitamin K, as far as estrogen balance in the body, inhibits estrogen activity. So it actually binds to our estrogen receptors, which is going to lower the relationship of that dominant estradiol or E2 to the estrone or weaker estrogen. So this helps with estrogen dominance, which can help with things like belly fat, breast tenderness, and that means that relatively that can also help with progesterone um, expression in a woman, and progesterone tends to pair more with a balanced libido. So optimizing vitamin K, and for foods for vitamin K, we look at uh, leafy greens, and we look at probiotic balance in the gut, because vitamin K is actually manufactured by our gut bacteria. So having ample probacteria and leafy greens would be a great thing for women for helping sexual hormone function. Another one I think too as a strong um, driver of sexual function is zinc. So zinc plays a big role with both estrogen and testosterone. Zinc can actually help with lowering estrogenic influence as well. So it can help with lowering estrogen dominance, excuse me, in the body. Um, and it, it can also metabolize excess estrogen. And then it does help with testosterone production. So it can actually help with balance of testosterone for men, which will help with sexual function as well, and testosterone expression for women, which can help with driving libido. Um, and then the last one I want to mention is the third nutrient. Oh, foods for zinc. So foods for zinc would be those oysters we alluded to earlier for sure. That's my number one line of defense for zinc. And then another one that we'd want to focus on is going to be our pumpkin seeds. So pepitas, green pumpkin seeds, um, and also red meat in general. Um, we have an awesome recipe and we'll talk about food as medicine at the end, but we have an awesome recipe in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook for our uh, red wine poached uh, sirloin steak. And um, that's a really great form of zinc as well. That one is so good. Yeah, yeah, so good. for sure. <laughs> um, so the last one that I would focus on is magnesium because so many people are magnesium deficient. So magnesium can help with muscle relax relaxation and neuromuscular function. And um, this is going to play a big role as far as uh, vasodilation as well. So this helps to bring that blood flow to areas of focus during sexual function. It also can help make testosterone more biologically active. So testosterone can be easier to use. So it raises both the free and total testosterone levels in men. And magnesium can, of course, help with depth of sleep. And we know that enhanced uh, REM cycles and sleep 
can help with sexual libido and overall function in the body, but definitely that can boost libido performance because it can regulate stress. And stress is the number one killer of libido for sure. So magnesium in a bioavailable form, you want to look for in a supplement form, magnesium bisglycinate. Um, and I would definitely recommend our Relax and Regulate Powder, which has another hormone balancer in there, inositol. Um, and so inositol can also help with regulating hormone dominance and um, also helping with blood sugar stability. So the Relax and Regulate has that magnesium bisglycinate form. And taking a scoop of that in the evening can help with more restful sleep, also bowel regularity, um, but it's a neuromuscular relaxer, not a um, osmotic stool softener. So it plays a much more utilization form of magnesium versus like a cheapo mag citrate, which just comes out as a stool softener or passed in the urine. So this is really used for sexual performance and function, as well as the other 300 plus enzymes in the body that require magnesium. Awesome. So let's, um, let's touch on a couple of the signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance, just maybe the main hormones that we think of in terms of sexual function. So estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Okay. So estrogen dominance, I've alluded to a couple times already. Let's nail that one first. So estrogen dominance can play a role with, um, driving belly fat, like I said, and also increasing cortisol activity. And like I said, Stress is a killer to the libido. So cortisol, when cortisol goes up, it actually inhibits testosterone expression. So that can play a big role in sexual dysfunction. And also our estrogen, when it gets too high, it can play a role in our immune dysfunction. So driving more inflammatory processes and hindering immune function, which is why there's a big trend of autoimmune disease in women. So estrogen dominance is something we want to watch for whole body support. But for sexual function, the big things we watch for is it can drive belly fat, it can increase cortisol, which can block libido and can block testosterone function. And then when estrogen gets too high, that can drive low progesterone, which would go to our next thing of focus, which is progesterone deficiency. So as you may recall from our episode on women's hormones, uh, which I definitely recommend as listening to, it's one of our, our biggest uh, hits of episodes, um, progesterone deficiency can be seen with both too low of progesterone or too high of estrogen. And so progesterone deficiency can be relative based on estrogen dominance or progesterone deficiency can be seen because the body's just maybe not making enough progesterone. So when we're looking at progesterone deficiency, this can drive increased anxiety, which again, perpetuates that, that dysfunction of stress and hormone, sexual hormone function. Um, we can also see an increased um, influence on fluid retention in the body. So progesterone is a vasodilator itself and also a diuretic. So when progesterone levels drop too low or estrogen levels get too high, making progesterone not expressed enough, we can see vasoconstriction. So we can get less of that blood flow that we want for sexual function. Um, we can also get like cold extremities, like cold hands and feet, and then fluid retention throughout the body. Um, and then increased anxiety and stress response and insomnia. So that's also not sexy. And then the last hormone of focus would be our testosterone. And this is the one that gets kind of the biggest hit, I think, of focus, especially in like anti-aging clinics and such. 
And it's important to note that like everything in the body, there is a complex, you know, chemistry experiment going on. So it's not always just give your body more of this one thing and that's going to correct the problem. In fact, many men that are on testosterone therapy, I always ensure that my clients are checking their estradiol or their estrogen because many men are getting that testosterone therapy and they're aromatizing it. Their body is converting that excess testosterone into estrogen and that actually depletes their sexual hormone function. So they're actually going into um, andropause by aromatizing or converting their testosterone into estrogen. And that drives more of that basketball belly, belly fat, lack of energy, muscle loss, and low sex drive. So sometimes, even though you're taking something in a focus to drive sexual function, if not monitored and managed, and if the body isn't metabolizing and using it appropriately, could drive more dysfunction. So something to definitely watch for and be mindful of. I'm even thinking when men lose a lot of weight, we also see trends of um, estrogen dominance in their bodies. Yeah. So one thing I like to consider, and you know, we've talked about in a couple other episodes, is when you lose more than 10% of your body weight, every time you lose 10% of your body weight, you should be doing a 10-day detox. You know, that's easy to remember, 10 and 10. <laughs> so you know, if you're coming at us at 210 pounds and you lose around 20 pounds, you should be doing absolutely a 10-day detox because you need the support of those um, compounds like calcium D-gluconate is something in our um, ultimate detox, which is in our detox packs, or you could just do the ultimate detox bottle. But when you're doing a 10-day detox, you use the detox packs, which have an antioxidant blend and also have a um, phase two detox supporter to help in the excretion of the excess hormone buildup. Um, and that plays a big role in helping to regulate the hormone function in the body because that excess can get built up and then express imbalance. So you do need to, with the weight loss, as you lose body fat, you need to help your body to metabolize and convert and excrete that sexual hormone by driving the detox process. Awesome. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes that we just talked about, the 10-day detox and the ultimate detox. Um, now, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit already, and it comes up in like every two episodes or so of the podcast, but so important to talk about here, the role of stress. So we keep saying stress kills libido. Why is this? So a couple different things, but first off, stress, under high stress demand, we can put out four times the amount of our cortisol, which cortisol in excess, like I said, it actually interferes with testosterone expression. And we see in research that that does that on a biochemical level. And also cortisol for that reason can drive muscle wasting. And remember, muscle is your secondary tissue of testosterone production. So it kind of both on a structural level can deplete testosterone. And then also on a sexual hormone level, it can compete with testosterone binding and utilization. So super important is that steroid hormone cortisol. And also in the production of cortisol, third reason, in the production of building cortisol, we're taking from those steroid building blocks and making cortisol, which means less building blocks to produce testosterone. So on so many different levels, the stress output can deplete sexual function. And then on a neurotransmitter level, the adrenaline piece, so our epinephrine, um, when our epinephrine is on high, that can poop out our norepinephrine and our serotonin. And serotonin is our feel-good 
you know, neurotransmitter balancer. So that's what helps to prevent it, anxiety and regulate mood stability. So when epinephrine goes on high, we're going to be more at that kind of steam train of stress demand on the tracks without the brakes. And that can wreak havoc on our sexual function as well because the body doesn't have that homeostasis balance to get into the mode of rest and digest and reproduce. That's where reproduction hormones live. If we're constantly in that fight or flight mode, the body is in survival mode. And truly based on a survival mechanism, the body doesn't want to make your sexual feel-good neurotransmitters because it doesn't think that your body is ready to produce a child safely. Um, and so we do need to manage that stress output. And one way, truly, by having sexual intercourse can actually help to release a lot of those feel-good neurotransmitters. It can help with dopamine and serotonin boost effect, as well as oxytocin. And that can help in a way to kind of harness <laughs> that freight train. So sometimes just intentionally and purposeful practice with your partner can be a great focus of stress release. And then absolutely pairing that with, I would start with our adaptogen boost, which would be a great formula to consider because the adaptogen boost has Panax ginseng. It also has cordyceps and rhodiola. And those three compounds as adaptogens can also enhance blood flow. It can enhance your metabolism. It can enhance your resilience to stress rebound so that you have more gas in the tank at the end of the day to have that energy to not feel flatlined on the bed and, and you know, shake things up a little bit with your partner. Awesome. And Am I making you blush, Becky? <laughs> oh, just a little. Um. <laughs> keep my adaptogen boost next to the bed stand on the nightstand. Or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then if, if this sounds like you um, for our listeners, or um, if some of those symptoms of hormonal or neurotransmitter imbalance um, speak to you, we might want to also consider assessing with a neurohormone panel. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And especially if you guys are, are looking for fertility, right? Because like I said, you know, if you're under chronic stress, that puts the brake on your reproductive system. And so if you guys are having issues with erectile function and or if you're having issues with arousal or, or arousal, excuse me, or orgasm, or if you're having issues with getting pregnant and that's one of your goals, or you've lost your, your period, your cycle, and you're dealing with amenorrhea, those are all areas. And even if you're just cycling irregularly, right? These are all alarm systems and bells and whistles for your body to say, this stress access is off. So I would recommend for women running the Neurohormone Complete Plus panel or for men running the Neurohormone Complete panel. This looks at a four-point assessment of cortisol. So it looks at your cortisol trends throughout the day. So we get a total scoring of your adrenal gland output of both cortisol and DHEA. And DHEA is the other steroidal hormone compound that actually creates as a precursor estrogen and testosterone. And so we get to look at the building block produced by the adrenals, as well as that main stress production steroidal hormone of cortisol of where the adrenal output is at. Then we also look at your actual sexual hormone output. So we look at your three types of estrogen for women one type of estrogen for men. We look at your progesterone and your testosterone. And then we also take that into account with looking at 
neurotransmitter balance. So we're going to look at your serotonin and GABA, which are the inhibitory relaxers, as well as the excitatory players. So that epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, those three being made by the adrenal glands, as well as other excitatory neurotransmitters, including things like histamine and glutamate uh, and glycine and other drivers that can create imbalance in your stress response, your sleep, your mood stability, and your sexual performance. Awesome. And I'll make sure we link to that panel in our show notes as well. Um, now, before we go into my favorite part, which is foods to support all of this and those aphrodisiac foods, we want to talk a little bit about our exciting new sponsor, Health IQ. Yes. So we are so excited to have Health IQ on sponsoring today's episode. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people. In fact, 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. And we really see this as an awesome opportunity for you all to get a return on the investment that you're putting into your well care or your wellness plan. Health IQ can save our customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to those that are inactive. And I don't know if, the, if you guys have already started to look at life insurance, but I'm in my mid-30s and this is the time I'm already starting to watch those commercials and get stressed out. And it's so nice to know that Health IQ is on our side, taking feedback for the return that we put on our investment of the work we put into our bodies, eating right, moving our bodies, and knowing that that can save us money at the end of the day. So I recommend y'all go and check out to get a free quote today at healthiq.com backslash Allie Miller RD and see if you qualify. You can also mention the promo code Allie Miller RD when you talk to a Health IQ agent if you prefer applying over the phone. But it's a super simple process and we'll put the link in our show notes as well. But it's healthiq.com backslash Allie Miller RD and go over there to check out your free quote today. Awesome. That's one of those adulting things that is, I know, on top of minds for us and top of our list. So. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Now for the fun stuff, let's talk about food. So foods to support sexual health. I know we mentioned a few, but let's go a little bit deeper. Okay. And, and talk about uh, application yes. and how to make yes. recipes. <laughs> yes. So pumpkin seeds I touched on uh, because of the influence of zinc and magnesium. So super mineral rich. And these are those green pepitas that you can get beyond uh, October. <laughs> so it doesn't just have to be pumpkin carving time of the year. You can get pepitas in the bulk bins at your local co-op or health food grocery store. I like purchasing them raw. And um, we have an excellent pumpkin seed pesto in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. Uh, this is great because it blends lemon juice, which has vitamin C, which is going to enhance the absorption of the mineral, and also blend the limonene antioxidants, which are going to help with preventing oxidative damage. So the more antioxidant 
properties that we bring into our body, better sexual arousal and performance, as well as better enhanced fertility and protection of fertilized eggs, if that's what we're going for as well. Uh, so the pumpkin seed pesto has uh, also a nice high fat delivery and works really nice blending in basil, which is an aphrodisiac by smell, and um, also a rich source of vitamin A, magnesium, potassium, the vitamin C, as I mentioned. So all can boost libido and work really well paired with sliced, sexy, juicy tomatoes and burrata. So burrata is a cream stuffed mozzarella. And just the way you cut it, I think, screams sex. (laughs) Really, yeah. And then I like to add in some coarse salt, um, like really um, nice quality. I can't think of it. It starts with an M, like melt. What's that salt called? I usually use Fleur de Sel, but okay, okay. (laughs) Okay. So a nice crunch. (laughs) Yes. A nice coarse, crunchy salt to flake on top of that and um, slice of tomatoes. And then I like to do the heirloom tomatoes and then put some of that burrata on there. Or you could put the whole ball of burrata and then drizzle the pumpkin seed pesto and let your partner cut into it. And it is just super dreamy, really good contrast of textures and flavors. Oh my gosh. So good. And that recipe will be up on the blog by the time this episode airs. So check that link out in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Uh, And then what about avocados? I don't think we've talked much about. No. Okay. So (laughs) avocados are another one of those nature's doctrine of signatures as far as a fertility food, because the avocado is shaped very much like a woman's uterus. And it does have a great form of folate in a bioavailable form, which helps with, of course, prevention of neural tube defect, but also enhancing um, follicular health on the... um, ovaries. So that's very beneficial as well as a fertility food. But in the Aztec times, uh, it was actually called a testicle tree. (laughs) The avocado tree was called a testicle tree because they grow in branches of two. I'm like, Mm. (laughs) so it could be both sexual organs. I think that gets a two for one hit. And um, on a nutritional focus, I mentioned the folate already, but avocado is one of the most bioavailable forms also of vitamin E, which really helps with supple skin health. And vitamin E does help with men's sexual function and testosterone. And um, we do see a benefit with sex drive and um, the avocado consumption because it's also very rich in glutathione, which is that granddaddy antioxidant that prevents free radical exposure and free radical oxidative stress. So it can reduce the stress response in the body as well. So for many reasons, avocado is your friend. You could slice some avocado into that burrata salad to add a different type of creamy dynamic um, or doing our Super Bowl guacamole we posted a little bit ago. Um, I mean, I eat a half an avocado every single day. Um, A lot of times I just add it with my fried eggs in the morning and or on top of a salad. Awesome. And then we have a salad recipe that's actually, it combines avocado, pomegranate, and kale. So we talked a little bit about the pomegranate prior with the Doctrine of Signatures, Um, but this is our kale aphrodisiac salad. 
Yes. Um, and that's also in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. Yes. Um, and the big thing we want to make sure if you're making it, that you guys all massage your kale. <laughs> so when you're using kale and you de-stem it and you chiffonade it or cut it into nice tiny little ribbons, make sure you start with sprinkling salt and mechanically with your hands breaking down those leafy greens. What that does is that actually breaks down that dense cellulose cell wall of the plant, which uh, releases the plant's natural active enzymes, and that's going to provide active enzymes for your body. And also it reduces some of the bitter alkaloids and enhances the bioavailability of the nutrients in the leaves. So you get more vitamin K, which I mentioned is important for our sexual hormone health, as well as A and C and mineral bioavailability like manganese. <clears throat> and those leafy greens are also very beneficial for a source of supporting tryptophan, which can help with mood stability for serotonin. Awesome. So we've got a starter and a salad, I guess, um, yeah. <laughs> so far on our Valentine's Day menu. Um, and then I'm thinking like roasted asparagus with either grass-fed butter or ghee as a side. Yeah, you got to pull in something phallic there. I, now yeah. that I know the word, I have to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just a simple roasted uh, asparagus would work really nice. So using ghee or grass-fed butter and um, just breaking off those uh, ends of the woody ends of the asparagus, uh, rubbing them in your fat of choice. It could be avocado oil as well. And then drizzling on some fresh lemon is going to be a great side and, and salty, briny, um, nice texture and warming. And then um, I think that that should go next to our steak, yes. which is our red wine poached cherries on pan-seared steak. So you can do whatever cut you like, whether you'd like to do a tenderloin or a sirloin or um, a T-bone. And um, you're basically going to use a cast iron and heat that. Um, add in your high heat fat. So I actually do a blend of uh, grass-fed butter or ghee and a little bit of avocado oil. And then you sear the steak on both sides and finish it in the oven. And while you're doing that, you're, you're taking frozen uh, red cherries, the frozen sweet cherries, and poaching them with a Pinot Noir wine, fresh thyme. Um, you reduce down those residual sugars and it makes such a sexy, delicious, Bread. Um, I've painted the plate with the red wine sauce with a brush and then serve the steak on top with a little spoonful of the cherry poached cherries on top um, or just topped them. And then with the asparagus and that salad, it's just really indulgent and beautiful, a really nice blend of phytocompounds and textures. And um, I think it will help you and your partner get into the mood. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it's pretty low carb, high fat. So um, it can work even without carb cycling on a ketogenic diet, as long as you are mindful within, you know, the amount of cherries consumed, definitely can still work for those of you that are doing a high fat, low carb approach. Awesome. So we haven't talked about dessert yet because Let's so round far it out. It's, it's pretty, okay. um, <laughs> it's pretty low carb, high fat. Um, yeah. I'm thinking chocolate avocado mousse for dessert. Yes, yes. So the chocolate avocado mousse is one of my fan favorites. Also in the naturally, I think almost all of these are in the naturally nourished cookbook. Um, so plug for that if you don't have your copy yet. Um, and we'll put a link of that in the show notes. So this blends avocados, of course, to get that um, 
testicle tree fruit <laughs> in there. Um, and it's blend with dates. And dates actually also are a known fertility booster. And also dates have been shown to help with labor. If you are pregnant and waiting for your due date, um, dates can be a really good support of um, placental health. Um, and so when we're looking at a blend of avocado dates, raw cacao powder, and the cacao is going to help with that boost of serotonin also magnesium, so beneficial for one of our nutrients of focus there. And then a little bit of vanilla and sea salt, and you blend that in the food processor until it's nice and creamy. And I love this dish when we're thinking of sex foods because it is edible and spreadable, people. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can bring your avocado mousse container back to the bedroom with a little bowl of strawberries and have some fun with your partner with that. Um, and if you don't want to break keto or you aren't carb cycling and you're doing very low carb and you don't want to go there, um, you could first off play with it with using drops of stevia and just the avocado and the cacao. And you could play with that as an option. As you know, I'm not a big fan of stevia, but good, better, best as far as survival. So maybe that would work as an option. Um, but the other thing that I definitely can't get through this episode without mentioning is coconut oil. Yes. So <laughs> regardless of Valentine's Day, I keep three containers of coconut oil in my household, one in the kitchen, um, one in the bedroom, and one in my vanity space. So I use coconut oil after the shower. Um, it's my favorite lotion because it does not have any additives, and um, it can really help with hydrating the skin and also preventing any unwanted microbial activity because it does have antifungal and antiviral antibacterial properties. So great um, support for supple and healthy skin and also even on the face. Like after washing your face, I've noticed coconut oil can be a great beneficial um, delivery for balancing out the pH in the skin and preventing acne. And then in the bedroom, it is solid at room temperature and melts on the body, and it's an awesome sexual lubricant. You want to be mindful that a lot of the lubricants out there have a lot of volatile compounds that can be endocrine disruptors and actually interfere with sexual hormone balance in the body, also can be stored as toxins in the body. And, you know, that is really uh, supple skin in those areas that are highly um, absorbable. So that thin tissue, we want to make sure that we're putting things that are safe first and foremost, and that also can help sexual function without um, driving sexual dysfunction down the line or hormonal imbalance. So I love coconut oil as a sexual lubricant. It is great, and it also can prevent UTIs and yeast infections, be that it has that antimicrobial activity. So uh, a fun one to play with in the bedroom as well um, and um, is edible and melts with your body heat. So that's all I have to say there. And, and now Becky's really blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it's a great way to keep things totally keto on Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we also have a recipe going up on the blog for um, a maca cacao fat bomb. That I'm yes, something yes. shareable. Um, so it's got cacao butter, coconut oil in an edible delivery form, um, some maca powder, which we haven't actually talked about, and then cacao as well. 
Let's so, talk about maca. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maca tonifies the pituitary, which is a gland in the brain, which is the middle of that HPA axis. That fight or flight mechanism is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenals. So the maca tonifies the pituitary, which can regulate our thyroid. It actually is the same gland, though, that produces your oxytocin, that bliss uh, release during orgasm. So maca can help with that. Uh, maca also can help with stimulating progesterone, which again, progesterone often dips lower in women before estrogen. And because there's such an influence environmentally with plastics and so forth on estrogen dominance, um, supporting progesterone output is often a key to sexual hormone balance. So maca can help to drive libido big picture because it produces uh, the oxytocin, it balances out progesterone, and as an adaptogen, it can reduce our body's overreactivity to stress stimulus. So it can reduce our stress response and boost libido all in one while giving you energy surge. So love adding that to recipes. And um, you can always go on AllieMillerRD.com and on our blog, you can search by key terms. So when we talk about something, like pumpkin seeds, you can put in an ingredient and a couple recipes of focus should come up. And then as always, go to our website under podcast and in the show notes, we're now doing transcripts. So we're super excited about that, but we always like to highlight links of focus. So we will have links on today's show notes about the labs we discussed, the supplements we discussed. So we discussed that adaptogen boost as a first line of defense for stress response. Um, we also discussed as far as supplemental support. Is that the only one today, Becky? Oh, about relax vitamin, and regulate. Yep. Relax and, and regulate. And then the vitamin D balance blend. So we'll put links to those as well. And then all of these tasty recipes just in time for Valentine's Day. And um, not that we want you guys thinking of Becky and I in the mood or in the moment. <laughs> Don't worry, you're welcome. (laughs) Yes, but you're welcome in advance. (laughs) So hopefully you guys had as much fun as we did in today's episode on aphrodisiac foods. As always, if you can head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a couple sentences of love and gratitude, it helps Becky and I to take time to put out this free valued content for you guys. And um, like we said, we think this one will come in handy for you. So have fun. Yeah. Happy B-Day, guys. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.